Welcome you back to our final Anchored in the Word Morning Reflection for 2023. This is episode 250, and uh, we will take a break from this time through the end of the year, and then Lord willing, we'll pick up again after the new year. And so I'm looking forward to um, taking a little break and then jumping into season three. And I hope that you've really enjoyed these episodes. If there are any that you've missed, um, you should be able to find them either on YouTube, Facebook, uh, on our church website, uh, Sermon Audio. There are several different places that you can find those. And I uh, hope that they've been encouragement to you. I've gotten a lot of good feedback and um, looking forward to jumping into it again next year. But what I'd like to do for this final episode is I'd like us to look at how the birth of Christ and the location of the birth and the events that led up to the birth of Christ, how they really demonstrate God's meticulous care and they show us how good God is and how he can take things that um, the average person would not notice are actually um, examples of God's work in the world. And we have the template of scripture to look at these things. We recognize, in fact, he is most definitely at work. So Luke chapter two, verses one through seven, rather than working our way through um, reading it initially, I'm going to work through the text by looking at each of these examples of that truth that God meticulously cares for his creation, and it's demonstrated in this passage. So the first thing we're to look at is that Joseph's decision to travel to Bethlehem while Mary was great with child in the final weeks of her pregnancy, uh, it was by force. It wasn't something that Joseph would have wanted to do or that Mary would have wanted to do. In verses one through four, it says, it came to pass in those days, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And then it says, all went to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Joseph didn't want to do this. He wasn't doing it because he said, oh, I'd like to fulfill Bible prophecy. He was doing it because he was forced to do it. If he went to Bethlehem for some other reason, he would have already been there. No, he was going because uh, uh, the, the governor um, said, this is what you have to do. The Caesar, Caesar Augustus said, this is what you have to do. But there's a second fact that's, that's right beside this. And that is Mary and Joseph were from Nazareth, yet Christ was going to be born in Bethlehem. This was not their hometown in the sense of where they grew up and where they were raised. It is their hometown in the sense that this is where their lineage came from, but this is not where they grew up. And so we see this in verses four, five, and six. It says, Joseph also went up out of Galilee unto the, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And then it says later on, so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Now, those first two pieces don't appear to have anything to do with the providence of God. Now, as Christians, we know that, in fact, they do have a huge uh, port that this is the ultimate cause of those things. But from a human perspective, the reason that they went there is because they had to. But then here's the third fact that is important. Don't miss it. These actions, while explainable on a strictly human level, were ultimately guided by God's sovereign provident hand of providence. And we see in, Mac, in Micah 5.2, the, 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 the following statement. Now, thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands in Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be the ruler in Israel. 
whose going forth have been of old, from everlasting. Now, the prophet Micah wrote these words about 700 years before the birth of Christ. Micah lived around the same time that Isaiah lived. They were like, uh, they were like, uh, they were contemporaries of one another. And I don't know if uh, Joseph and Mary were familiar with this and thought, oh, if we're going to have the Messiah be born to Mary, then we need to go to Bethlehem. It never indicates in the text that that was something that Joseph uh, understood or that Mary thought about. But what we do know is that God thought about it. God was going to see that this promise made 700 years before my, my, by Micah was going to come to fulfillment. And we see, uh, fourthly, that the timing and the unfolding of these events was an overwhelming testimony to God's sovereign hand again. Christ's birth was described in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, as in the fullness of time. It says, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. What that tells you is that there was a timetable that was at play. And so when Jesus was born, there was a much bigger picture than just this little moment in history. It was coming at a very pivotal moment, a predicted moment. And we can even see that by the fact that the Magi come to look for Jesus after his birth. You say, well, how did the Magi in Matthew chapter 2 know to look for Jesus? How did they know that the Messiah would be born at this time? Notice the words. It says, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, did, did this, um, this glowing light in the sky tell them the Messiah has been born? Well, the answer is no. They understood the timing of the birth of the Messiah based on something else. But what's also fascinating is they did not know about the prophecy regarding his location. They went to uh, not Jerusalem or not to Bethlehem, but they went to Jerusalem. And so they did not have the prophecy of Micah more than likely, or they didn't understand the prophecy, but they did have access to a prophecy that they did understand. And that was the prophecy of Daniel. Listen carefully to what it says in Daniel 9. It says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, upon the holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. And the streets shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off and not for himself. Now, <clears throat> what's fascinating about this prophecy is that when he talks about weeks, he's talking about chunks of time that are 70 year periods of time and so uh, uh, seven year periods of time and so what he's understanding is that it's actually telling you the number of years that are going to take place from one event to another event the first event that he talks about is the command to build jerusalem and the question is well where did that command come from 
Well, it didn't come from Jerusalem. It came from the region where these people were living. And so they knew about that commandment. And then they did the math and they recognized how much time had transpired from the command to build Jerusalem to the time in which they were living. And they understood that they were living at the time that the prophecy of Messiah would have taken place. And they did that based on the math from the starting point to the time they were living. And so when they saw this star in the sky, their conclusion was this is a sign that in fact, the prophecy of Daniel has taken place. And so we need to go to the land of Israel, Jerusalem, and we need to look for the king. You know, it would make complete sense that they would have thought that. The problem was that they didn't understand Micah's prophecy in Micah 5.2. And so when they went to Jerusalem, what happens is that the people that live there in Jerusalem, the scribes, they go to the scriptures and they say, well, Messiah is going to be born in, the, in, in Bethlehem. And so ultimately they get sent to Bethlehem and they see him. But the whole point is this. These events unfolded the way that they unfolded because of the providential hand of God at work. And so that leads us to a final question. And it's the last question I want us to consider as we head into the new year, at least from our anchored in the word morning reflection side. What do we learn and how do we live in the light of what we have? Well, let me give you some thoughts. The first is this. We need to be a people whose confidence in the redemptive story is strengthened. The Christmas story, and which ultimately leads us to the story of redemption, is not just some Western tradition, but it is a real moment in human history. It was promised, it was fulfilled, it was documented, it was verified, and that is the, the, the bottom line foundation of our faith. We rest in the story of redemption as we read it in the Bible, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth, took on flesh, he died on the cross for our sins, and he rose from the dead. And so we should have confidence in this story. The second is this. We need to walk with a humble confidence in God's ways rather than doubting him and fearing him. Sometimes in the big picture, we're willing to trust God with faith alone in Christ, but then the little details of our lives, the difficult things we encounter, the things we're afraid of, the anxieties we have, we fail to trust God in those areas. And we need to recognize that the same kind hand of providence that brought us the Savior at the time that he brought him and in the, the exact place that he was born and all of those details remind us that this same God who cares about those details cares about the details that we find in our lives. We need to look at him as one who is good. And in the midst of the challenges of life, we should ask the question, what is the good thing that God is accomplishing through what may be a very difficult series of circumstances? He is always working all things together for good to them that love God. We should recognize that we are responsible and we need to take that responsibility for actions very seriously because we're one day going to stand before this God. And we also ought to recognize that the same God who we are responsible to is going to deal with evil. And we ought to be thankful for that. The last thing I want to mention is that we should rejoice in how masterful God's ways are. His power is infinite. His wisdom is beyond our full comprehension. His care is very benevolent. 
He is a merciful God. He is a restrained God. He is a comforting God. And he is continually displaying those different aspects of who he is in the way that he works in this fallen world. And so as we enter into the new year, let's have our, stra- our faith strengthened. Uh, let's not doubt him. Let's look for the good that he is accomplishing. Let's be sobered by our responsibility and let's marvel in his ways. I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful start of the new year. And Lord willing, we will come back uh, after the first of the year and we will dig into some morning reflections for episode or season three, episode one. Have a blessed rest of your day. Bye now.